0: John chapter 15, and we're going to continue talking about the word of the Lord for 2018. And the word of the Lord is Jesus. Jesus. That's right. So we're going to continue to uh, exalt him, lift him up. I was talking to Mark Hemfelt before service this morning. I said, you know, I really intended to wrap this series up last week, but when I got into John 15, I realized that is just not going to happen. And uh, if I preach Jesus till Pastor Sean and Pastor Deanna get here, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to keep preaching Jesus. That's the best way I can imagine going out as a senior pastor. Someone said to me um, last Sunday, I'm really sad that you're stepping down. I said, I'm not, I'm stepping up. (laughs) Uh, Let's all step up together, amen? (laughs) And I'm still going to be here, which is really cool. So we're going to continue this morning to talk about Jesus, and we're in the seven I am statements of Jesus. We're in the seventh of those statements that he makes in the Gospel of John. It's chapter 15. We'll start in verse 1. I am. There's the the word right there. This is the I am, the seventh I am statement of Jesus he makes on the last night of his life before his crucifixion. This is the final night with his disciples before his crucifixion, and he says, I am the true vine. So he tells us something about himself, and then he tells us something about his papa, because Jesus is constantly, he doesn't come to appease or to placate his father, but to reveal his father. He's got to tell us more about who his papa is. He says, I'm the true vine, and my my papa is the vine dresser, or the gardener, or the nurturer, or the caretaker. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, not He chops off or cuts off. If you want more on that, last week I taught on that, how what He does, His Father takes us to Himself. Those branches that are not bearing fruit that are in Christ, He takes to Himself in intimacy, He lifts them up to bring them into fruitfulness. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes. Why does He do that? So that it may bear more fruit. Now verse 3, he tells them, you are already clean. Remember the word prune and clean are interchangeable. He says you're already clean. Why? Because of the Logos, the word which I've spoken to you, and he is the Logos that makes us clean. Amen. Now verse 4 is where we're going to be starting today. Abide. Everybody say abide. abide. That is the word for today. Little children, the word for today is abide. All right. So it says, he says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear. Somebody say bear. bear, bear. Anybody notice that it doesn't say produce right there? How I many you no know branches don't produce fruit, right? You can't grunt out an apple, right? You don't grunt out fruit. All you get is plastic fruit, something that's not real. It's not about trying. It's about trusting, right? So he says, when you abide in me and I in you as a branch, cannot bear fruit of itself unless it, what does it do? Unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you what? Oh, sounds like the word of the day, doesn't it? I am the vine. So he repeats it again. He says, I am the true vine in verse 1 and verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me. And I, in him, he bears how much? Much. I like that. The God of much, much more. He bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me He doesn't mean apart from me. You can't brush your teeth. And you can't wake up in the morning with with an alarm clock. And you can't. Apart from, well, there is a certain sense of that. Everything is held together by the word of his power. Nothing happens outside of the life of Christ. There is no earth, there is no life at all without him. In him we live and move and have our being. But he's talking about fruitful life right here. He doesn't just have in mind or getting up, going, you know, brushing our teeth, taking our shower and and going through our, our normal everyday activities. He's talking about fruit-bearing life. And he says, apart from me, that is not possible. You cannot have a fruitful, productive life apart from Jesus. Here's what I want to talk to you about this morning. First of all, number one in your notes, bearing fruit, which is what we're talking about, not producing, but bearing fruit, is about learning to abide. There's our word. And by by using the word abide, what we're talking about is learning to live conscious of our connection to Jesus. To abide in Jesus is to learn to live conscious of our connection to Jesus. To Jesus. Notice this in your notes. The word abide is actually used 41 times in John. And 23 times in First John. The little John. He wrote both of those books. He wrote John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And he wrote Revelation, right? But in John and in 1st John, this word abide is used a bunch of times. To give us some context, it's only used 10 times in Matthew, Mark, and Luke combined. So this is a big word for John, right? This is an important word for John. Now, now, granted, when you read the word abide, there are several times it's just talking about abiding in a, a certain house or abiding in a place. And specifically in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and even in Acts, it's all through Acts, about staying or remaining or continuing or abiding in a certain location. But John uses the word with greater depth. And he uses the word a lot of times and all the way through First John. He's talking about this idea of this connection with Jesus and this consciousness that God wants us to have of this connection that we have with Him. The word itself, the word abide in your notes, means to be held. I love this definition. It means to be held or to be kept continually. Oh, that's good news, my friends. Because you can write this in your notes. The truth is. You are never disconnected from Christ. That's the real truth. You are never disconnected from Christ. What Christ is not talking about in this parable is sometimes people are saved and then when they're not bearing fruit, they're not saved. And sometimes they belong to me and then when they don't look right, they don't belong to me. That's the way I understood it growing up. Maybe some of you guys weren't as whacked out as I was, all right? But I would read this, and multiple times in a day, I would be saved and not saved. I would be in the vine and not in the the vine. I would be living in Christ, and sometimes I'm not living in Christ. One minute I'm going to heaven, the next minute I'm going to hell. And I live with a great, a great amount of anxiety in my life. And most of the time, as a teenager, I would just say, forget about it, until Sunday when the pastor would preach, and I'd feel really convicted, dad was a good preacher. And I would go to the altar, and I'd get saved again. That's what I thought, right? But the first thing you've got to know about abiding, and the first, this first definition, what it teaches us, and it bears it out in the way it's used in Scripture, is that you and I are always Connected. We're always connected and we're never disconnected. Not in reality, not in truth. I mean, no, we don't always live with awareness of truth. But in reality and truth, we are never disconnected. If you'll look back in your Bible, just flip back a chapter to John 14. We were in John 14 a few weeks ago. Jesus was speaking. One of the things he was speaking about was Holy Spirit. He was telling us about how he's our way and our truth and our life. And in verse 16, he says... John 14, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Who's the helper? Yeah, man, you guys, first service is sharp. That he may be, that he may be with, that he may be with is the word abide. That he may abide with you. How much? How long? Forever. There's no sense in which Holy Spirit you know, sometimes you'll hear people talk about Holy Spirit in a believer's life like he's he just sometimes kind of like a dove and he lands on your shoulder. And then don't be you gotta be really careful because he might fly away. You've got to be careful because a dove, you know, he he's like a bird gonna fly away. He's not a bird, right? He appeared as a dove, but he's not a scared little bird on your shoulder that if you make just the slightest wrong move. He's out of there. He doesn't live on your shoulder. He lives on the inside of you and me, right? And so he, He's never leaving us. He's never forsaken us. The Helper abides with us forever. In, your, in, in, in 1 John 2.27, it says, As for you, speaking of Holy Spirit again, the anointing which you received from Him, there's our word, abides in you. Stays remains is there forever so the again the idea of the picture is the holy spirit and his anointing which according to isaiah 10 27 is his burden removing yoke destroying power right that's what isaiah 10 27 tells us the anointing is the burden removing yoke destroying power of god abides in you in you always Sometimes you'll hear charismatics, our branch of faith, talk about how that, oh, that was, that person's really anointed. That person not so much. And they're not so anointed. But that one, oh, they're anointed. The truth is, every believer in Jesus is anointed. And that anointing abides. It's not here and there and lifting and 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 not there sometimes and running away, and, and then it's there strongly. It's not, it's not, he, he or she, as, you, as we learned about Holy Spirit not too long ago, is not going anywhere. That's good news, all right? So the anointing that we received from him abides in us. So look at 1 John 4, 15. Again, in the little Johns, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's, let's stop right there for a second. Just take a real quick survey. How many of you in this room have confessed that Jesus is the Son of God? Just want to check that out. Well, look at that. I can't see you, but I bet God does. All right. (laughs) So whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, what does it say? God abides in him and he in God. Truth right there. I mean, when we know truth, truth makes us free, huh? So this is... I mean, this is clear. I just, I just pulled a few of the passages, all right, for sake of time. But these are just the, the passages that have the word abide. We're not even talking about passages like Romans 8 where it says, what can separate us from the love of God? You know, death or life or principalities or powers or, or present or the future or the past. We're not even talking about scriptures like, you know, that, that Jesus says that he will never lose one of them that, that the Father has placed in his hand. I'm not even talking about those. I'm just talking about the ones with abide in them, Right? So the truth is, we don't have to worry as to whether or not we are in actuality in Christ and somehow try to get back in him. Somehow I got out of him and I got to get back in him. In your notes the question is not does Christ abide in or does Christ abide in me and I in him, but am I living with an awareness of that fact in this moment? So Christ lives in me and I in him. But in my experience, in my day-to-day life, am I aware of that? That's the issue right there, guys, isn't it? Am I living with a consciousness and an awareness that Christ really is in me, that I really am anointed, that burden-removing, yoke-destroying power is really active in my life? Am I aware of that? That's what Jesus is talking about. In John chapter 15, this is the definition of abide that means to continue to be present. To continue <laughs> to be present. So in other words, I'll just say it another way in your notes. To abide is to live with a present awareness of Jesus. To abide is to live with a present awareness of of Jesus. So John chapter 15 again, and we're going to go a little bit further down in the text in, in, in verse 9, because Jesus actually flushes this out for us. Because it sounds kind of ethereal, like I need to abide. If anybody ever tried to abide? Oh, I'm going to abide in Christ right now. I'm just... I'm I'm just talking my story, all right? Maybe you guys aren't as crazy as me. I'm trying. I'm trying to abide in you, Jesus. He actually fleshes this out for us. What does it mean? What does it look like? So he didn't change subjects. He's not not like me. He's not going on a bunny trail, right? He's actually still on the same subject. In verse 9, he says, Just as the Father has loved me. Wow, think about that. How much does the Papa love Jesus? How much does Papa love Jesus? Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Interesting phrase, isn't it? doesn't say make me love you. Trip my love wire. Do something to make me happy with you today. He says, as the Father has loved me, That's the same way I've been loving you all along. I have loved you. He's telling his disciples. What I want for you is to learn to live with a present tense awareness of the level of love that Papa has for me because that's the level of love I have for you. I want you to live there. I want you to live with a conscious, present tense awareness of my love. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in His love. Oh, man. I was feeling so good till we read that verse. Okay, you love me. Great. But now, the only way I know to abide in your love is to keep your commandments. And what commandment are we talking about? Well, when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment in the law was, right, He's asked that. What's the greatest commandment in the law? So, well, oh, you guys are awesome. I didn't even expect you to answer. You guys are like amazing. I should have higher expectations of you. What does quantum physics mean? Just kidding. I don't know either. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, okay. We'll, 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 keep, we'll keep off that bunny trail right now. We'll come back to the vine thing, okay? So he says that. What's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you do these, and on these two commandments hangs the whole what? Hangs the whole law, right? But in John 15, and keep in mind, Jesus does not lower the standard. The new covenant is not a lower standard. The new covenant is the ultimate standard of the real life that God always intended for us and the real love and the real peace and the real joy and the real holiness and the real righteousness that he always intended, right? So he says this, though, in verse 12. No one's asking him about the law now. No one's asking him, what's the the greatest commandment in the law? He said, let me tell you, because he already said, the way to abide in my love is to keep my commandments, right? We can get all freaked out, or I can. Maybe you, again, I don't mean to always include you in my weirdness and craziness. Oh, am I keeping the commandments? Which commandments am I supposed to be keeping? I don't really know that I'm loving the Lord with all my heart, all my mind, all my strength, all my soul, I don't really know that I'm always loving my neighbor as myself. If I want to abide in your love, I've got to keep your commandments. Verse 12, this is my commandment. Oh, man, this is good. That you love one another not as you love yourself, but as I have loved you. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. That you love one another as I have loved you. That changes the game right there. To abide, to abide in his love is to first and foremost receive his love. Because you can't love that other person as he has loved you without receiving that love. Without being aware of that love. Without letting that love open you up and transform you. And change the way that you see Papa so that you and I see Papa the way Jesus sees Papa and... And see ourselves the way he sees ourselves. We'll never see our neighbor the way Jesus sees our neighbor if we don't see ourselves the way Jesus sees us. In fact, Jesus is so good. How many of you have found this out about him? He knows how to speak your love language. He just did it with me today. As we're leading worship, he snuck up on me and goosed me. I got God-goosed, right? I didn't see it coming. And he brought me back in a memory to something I hadn't thought about in years. And all of a sudden, I'm in that memory again, and I'm experiencing the same God who was faithful then, is faithful now. And it's, ah, he knows how to speak my love language. He knows music is a love language for me. Now, what we do, again, what I have done is I have gone over to what's the greatest commandment in the law... And i got to love my neighbor as I love me. Well, I love me with music. So that's the way I love my neighbor because that's what they need. In fact, I'm verbal affirmation. That is my love language. Of the five love languages, my top one is verbal affirmation. So that's the love language that I'm going to give because I'm loving my neighbor as I love me. But really what happens is when I let Jesus love me, in the way that He speaks my love language, one of the things that happens is He begins to open my eyes to the world around me so that I can love them the way He loves them. Not the way I need to receive it, the way that person needs to receive it. Loving them in the love language that they need to hear. What says I love you to me may not be what says I love you to you, right? So it's an openness to... Jesus loving me learning how he loves me conscious of and aware of his love for me and then out of it this is his commandment this is really it right here guys new covenant boom this is it bottom line everything else is in this right here everything we will only love him to the degree that we experience his love for us we will not out love him how many know that's true and we will not love him into loving us (laughs) he already does you can't love him into loving you more than he loves you now So we receive his love and we respond. The whole everything, everything we're called to. You don't have to know 52 commandments. In fact, you say, well, we need to bring back the 10 commandments so we can convince Christians not to kill each other. I mean, come on, guys. We should be past that one, right? If you love somebody, how many you know you don't kill them? If you love somebody, you don't steal their spouse, right? If you love somebody, you don't lie about them, right? But you're not going back to make sure you kept the commandments in the new covenant. You're receiving such an incredible, fierce love on the inside of you that then you and I just respond out of that love, and we do not. Not only do we not do. I mean, you know the Ten Commandments are a lot about what we don't do. It was like God's emergency break to keep Israel from killing themselves, right? So it's needed. It was very important. But we live by something far higher than that. Not lower, higher. A love that compels us not only to not lie about Tom, like saying he's going to dance in a tutu, right? (laughs) Not only to not lie about Tom, but to tell the truth about Tom, that he is a mighty man of God, that he is so full of compassion, one of the most compassionate men I know, and that Tom is one of the most fiery, not only compassionate, but passionate people. He's got so much fire in him, it's still burning in him after all these years. He's on fire for Jesus. That hasn't stopped. Jesus has kept him on fire since I've known him. It's, it's going further than just not doing something. It is actually being able to, with, with, with the love that God has given you, then you pour that out to someone else. It's not loving them as you love yourself. It's loving them as, as we receive love. Does that make sense? That's abiding. That's what Jesus says abiding is. is living a love life. Living a life in His love. Verse 17, He just says it again. This is my command. This is what I'm commanding you. That you love each other. Love each other. And you do that by experiencing my love for you. And being transformed by that love. So that you see people the way I see them. So that you see the gold in people instead of the trash. Right? The treasure instead of the trash. And you minister and love people, not from a place of above and condescending, but from a place that's alongside somebody, that just like Jesus did, right? Coming alongside the woman at the well, right? You come alongside people, and you bring that tangible love of Jesus that you're drenched in because you're experiencing it in your present tense life. 1 John chapter 4, he says this in verse 15. This is the same passage we read earlier. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. But we didn't read verse 16. So the truth is, verse 15, if you confess Jesus is the Son of God, then God abides in you, and you abide in God. But verse 16, we have come to know. So there's a truth, right, is that we're connected. But then there's the coming to know that truth. Knowing, For these guys... When they say no, it didn't mean spouting facts and quoting things, right? Memorizing principles. This is experiential knowledge. Those that have confessed Jesus as Lord, that He's the Son of God, we have come to know, and we have believed what? What have we believed? Ah, there it is. John is telling us again. We've come to know the love. We've come to believe the love which God has not just for me now, but for us, right? The God who loves us. God, I love the fact that John doesn't say God has love. He says God is love. And the one who, here's our word, abides in love with a conscious awareness, abides in God and God abides in him. You can write this in your notes. Every moment, every moment of every day, the battle is over, not whether we're connected or not. The battle is over our awareness of Jesus' love for us and through us. When Jesus talks about fruit, the greatest fruit He's talking about, He tells us Himself, is the fruit of love. Fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, The core of the fruit of the Spirit is love. All of the fruit come from love. In fact, it's not fruits. Anybody ever heard the phrase fruits of the Spirit? That's not in the Scripture. It's fruit, singular. And the core of that fruit, and the first one mentioned, is love, right? Love. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13 says these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. These three, actually the word is abide. That's that Greek word. These three remain. Abide, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is what? So every, it's an every moment. How many of you have experienced that in your life? It's in every moment battle. Sometimes you remember and sometimes you forget, right? You find yourself spinning out of control, you know you're forgetting. You find yourself freak out, right? You know that you are forgetting. You're not abiding. That doesn't mean you're not connected. It means you're disconnected mentally means you're disconnected here. You're not disconnected in your spirit. Everything you need. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. We have everything we need for life and godliness, Peter says, right? This is in us. He is in us. He is in us in fullness in us right now. His love is in us right now. The battle is over. Our awareness of his presence in us. So here's, here's where I wanted to end up this morning. Look what happens when we're aware of Jesus and his love. This is just a little bit, a little snapshot, using this word abide, of what happens, what we can expect when, in those moments when we're aware. You know when you're aware, don't you? You know when you're aware. You, know, you can tell you're aware how you're treating your wife, can't you? You know you're aware. You're, not because you're examining how you're treating your wife. That never produces it, right? Stopping and examining how well am I doing and, and keep examining how well am I doing. As long as you're looking at you, you keep getting you, right? But when you are, it's almost like you're like, oh, wow, I just said that and did that. Wow, <laughs> that's awesome. That is incredible. I, I'm actually, wow, I couldn't have come up with that on my own. I, I, I'm living in a place where I'm so aware of his love that I'm living out love and I'm expressing that love to other people in those moments when I'm abiding. Always connected in reality, but not always aware. So here's what happens though when, in those moments. And may those moments be more and more, and the forgetting times be fewer and fewer. Right? First John chapter 2, again, the little John's. But the one who truly loves a fellow believer, lives, abides abides in the light. Abiding in the light is abiding in love. And there is nothing in him that will cause someone else to stumble. Isn't that a powerful thought? So I used to read these things before and I would think that he was saying, well, if you're saved, you're, you're never going to cause anyone to stumble. How many of you found that to not be true? Seriously. How many of you have ever stumbled because of a relationship and have you, have you been the, like me, been the stumbling block? If you don't think you've ever caused anyone to stumble, we're going to have a little bit of an altar call later for liars and de- those that are deceived, all right? Because we have all caused people to stumble. There are things in my life, I'll, I'll be vulnerable with you guys, okay? used to be easy when I was a kid. They would just say, don't drink. Don't bowl, don't skate, don't anything. Everything you want was don't. Don't do it, right? Don't. Can I? No. Well, what if we? No. Everything was no, so you just knew. No, don't even ask, right? So, when I look at scripture, I cannot find a... Some of you are going to disagree with this, but I'm going to be vulnerable. I can't find a place where we can make a hardcore case that you cannot have alcohol at all. Zero alcohol. Jesus turned water into wine. I have a hard time defending my former position of zero alcohol. However, I never drink. Zero. None. Not... And there's a few reasons for that. One, I just don't like it. I have tried it, all right, just so you know. Like hey, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He never even tried a drink, he never had any drink, you don't even know what you're talking about. Because if you had what I had, you'd be going back to it. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> right? <laughs> you'd be you'd be you be getting another sip of that, buddy. Let me tell you something right now. You just had the cheap stuff as a problem that you had. You, boom. You said, Boons, all you have. So, okay. I. <laughs> I <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I know, though. I know that if I am drinking, I know I have friends that for them, drinking is very destructive. I know that my wife, her life and her past and her family, her dad owned a bar. And their life was very destructive. And when we got married, she asked that there not be alcohol in our lives. I have no problem laying down something I don't need. I don't need it. I can live without it. I'm not telling you. I'm telling you my story. So love chooses, Paul said, all things are lawful to me, but not all things are expedient, right? I, I can make a great case for not getting drunk. That's all through Scripture, and you already know what good things drunkenness has brought into your life. It's been amazing, hasn't it? It's just brought families together. It's amazing the beauty that comes out of drunkenness, right? Now, we know drunkenness is destructive, okay? I can't make a case for no alcohol. I know some of you drink, and you do it in moderation. Bless you. I don't drink at all, and it's not to make other people not drink. It's because I don't want you, some of my friends to stumble right? I don't want my life to be a stumbling block to them. Now, there's way more things that we could talk about than alcohol. That's just an example. There's all kinds of areas where we cause people to stumble. Well, I don't drink. Yeah, but I've heard you gossip, right? <laughs> Come on, somebody, which is more destructive than a balanced, a person who's learned how to drink responsibly. I think a gossiper is probably far more destructive, Right? But when I'm living, when you and I are living and abiding, we're in that place where we're not causing people to stumble. We're making decisions out of love, not out of my rights. Hello. But I'm being loved by Jesus, and I want my brothers and sisters to be loved, and I don't want their lives to be destroyed. I want what's best for them. In those moments, in times when I'm not abiding, then, yeah, sometimes I'm causing people to stumble by the way I talk, by the way that I live, by the stupid sarcasm I use. Are you with me? Sarcasm is far more destructive than drinking as well. By the sarcasm I use that cuts people down to the core, I don't know if I say far more, I don't mean to quantify, it is destructive. It's very destructive, right? So when I'm living in love, I'm not causing people to stumble. John 12, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not abide in darkness. When I'm I'm living aware in those moments, when I'm living aware of the love of Jesus, in those moments... (laughs) <laughs> then I am living in light and my focus is not dark focused. I'm not focused on the darkness, trying to find the darkness and looking for the darkness in my brother and sister. We aren't God's sheriffs sent into this world to straighten everybody out. How I mean, you know, Holy Spirit's really good at his job. If, if someone invites me in to a conversation to speak into their life, then with his grace and love, we walk through that together. Otherwise, if I just come up to you and start telling you all the darkness and trash in your life, any unwanted advice is nothing more than criticism. That's, for me anyways, that's where I'm living. I don't want to give people advice they didn't ask for. It's criticism. All, first of all, they're not going to listen to it because they didn't ask for it, right? But if you and I have given each other permission... To speak into each other's life, then out of that abiding place, I'm not looking for darkness, anyways. I'm looking for the light in you, and that's what I want to call forth. I want to call forth the treasure, I want to call forth the beauty, huh? 1 John 3, 6. No one who abides in him, look at this one. No one who abides in him sins. That used to mess with me so bad. How about you guys? Anybody can say, well, you know, the good news is I haven't sinned in the last 32 years. <laughs> Again, we'll have an altar call for lying. Okay. But he says, if you're abiding, what does abiding mean? Living conscious and aware of his love. When I'm conscious and aware of his love and of his presence, I'm not sinning. That's when I'm not sinning. That's the only time. That's the only time that I'm not sinning. Because if I'm not doing something wrong out of just trying to not do something wrong and show God how right I am, I'm sinning. I'm not abiding oh shaka baba I want to be over here in this place where I'm aware of his love and then out of that place the result is and when I'm abiding I'm not sinning no one who sins is seeing him or knowing him let me do a flip on that just a little bit when we're sinning we're not seeing him we're not knowing him when we're seeing him when we're knowing him we're not sinning here's the exercise I'm sending home homework this week with you the abiding exercises First of all, ask Jesus what he wants to speak to you about, how he sees you. And then journal what you see and hear. Write it down. Type it out. However, you do that. Ask him this week. Take time. Five days this week. I double dog dare you to do this and see what happens. Five days this week. Jesus, what do you see? What do you think about me? What do you see? What do you what, what's on your mind? Let Him love you this week. And then write down what He says to you. Out of that, in your notes, ask Him several times during the day because you're going to forget what you journaled. I do. Anybody else? Ask Him what He's thinking about you several times a day. And then third, ask Him several times during the day what He's thinking about the people that you're interacting with. What's He thinking? What's His heart? In the light, ask Him in the light. Not in criticism, not in trying to change. In the light, what do, you, what do you see, Jesus? How do you see them? How do you see Zacchaeus? How do you see the woman at the well? How do you see this person that everybody sees in a different way? How do you see him, Jesus? And live from that place. I encourage you guys. We were We're always connected. God wants us to live with an awareness of that connection. Amen. Let's stand.